Welcome, welcome to our AFC North NFL preview is brought to you by the IB Network. IB Network is one of the mother, well, I guess it is the mothership, the hub, the nexus, whatever you want to call it, for IBS or IB Sports, whatever you want to call it. I am joined by, I don't know if I call him the second smartest man or the smartest man in IBS, but either way, Joe HG is here to join me as we cover the AFC North. What's up, Joe? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, NBA has dominated lately, but football season yeah. is right around the corner. I think it's less than 60 days if I'm looking at the NFL uh, channels or NFL Network blog, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. They're counting down the days. We're going to cover the AFC North to start off with. Uh, put you a little bit on the spot. Do you think, in a, as I was going through this, do you think this is the toughest division in football? Uh, yes, I think with the exception of probably the, the Bengals who are clearly sort of the bottom tier, um, of this, I think it's really kind of a three headed monster at the top. I mean, you have a, who's going to come out on top. I have no idea. My suspicions are that the Ravens kind of sneak in there, but it's anybody's, anybody's race at this point. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I guess you have the, the West where you have Kansas city and the chargers and then if you believe that the Raiders are going to come up or who's the fourth, who's the fourth team over there uh, in Denver, it depends on what Denver does. So maybe I guess you could have that. If you think that the NFC North, you think the Packers are going to come back, the Vikings are going to be strong again. And then you got the bears just all depends on how you look at it. But I think in this division, there are three teams that I know are going to be over two, probably over 500 and one, flirting with 500. I think that makes it the strongest and just really tough outs in this division. And so we will start with the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens. The biggest question about the Ravens, of course, is Lamar Jackson. How do you see his development this upcoming year? So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was uh, a Heisman Trophy winner um, who did it with both his arm and his legs. So I think he's completely capable of doing it uh, both ways, and I think he can potentially develop as a passer. They have to sort of get the system around him and design it for him. Um, And they really needed some help at the wide receiver position, which they went out this year and got. So um, I think that it's really – it's going to be a good year for him, and I think that they're going to sort of tailor this offense to him as they should. But uh, we saw exactly what he was capable of coming in uh, in relief of Flacco last year, and I think this year he's going to knock it out of the park. He's got an entire year of development uh, under his belt, and I think he's going to, with this offseason, be able to uh, really do really do well. So I'm struggling. I'm struggling with Lamar. I think they dumbed it down. I'm black, so I guess I can use these so-called code words, but they made it really simple. They made it a college sure. offense. And it was just really, really heavy run base. I don't think we've seen something that run base almost since Tebow. And obviously, well, I'm not even sure how obvious it is, yeah. but he is a better passer than Tebow. But yeah. I, I feel like that's a big jump. And of all the rookies that are going to start a, start this season, that played last season, I feel like he has the highest uh, he has the highest bar to cross. Where where do you see? Uh, areas for improvement or or how can he improve or what does it look like when he will play better this year? Well, so one of the things for me that 
I was really concerned about was obviously accuracy. Um, finishing under 60% uh, completion percentage last year is really tough, and you don't want to see that in the NFL at all. And um, I was really hoping they were going to go out and get him some more big-bodied receivers. Uh, obviously, they got him some speed with Marquise Brown, but um, I think that somebody who had sure hands and, and a really big, tall target would have really helped him out, um, maybe something in uh, as far as a, a better um, improvement on tight end. But that said, I think that the system itself, like you said, kind of watering it down a little bit, but giving him the, the things that he's comfortable with, they're going to have a strong run game this year. They're going to they're, they're gonna feed Mark Ingram. They're going to feed Gus Edwards. So I think just kind of designing the system for him and making it so that he has that sort of one, two, read, get rid of the ball, run, a, a little bit of read option, probably not too much. I think that just making sure that the system fits him so that he's got those good looks and that those confidence building passes at the beginning, maybe some bubble screens. I think they can really make something for him that builds his confidence and gets that, uh, that completion percentage up early on in the season. And you mentioned the running backs. So let's go there. Cause we're going to go position by position. What do you think sure. of their running back core? Um, well, I think that Mark Ingram is, getting a little bit older, but he is getting, I think this is the kind of perfect system for him because he's got some help behind him again. It's not going to be somebody who's going to take catches or take carries away in the same way that uh, Kamara did. Obviously, Kamara is a special, special talent, but having guys behind him like Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon, Justice Hill, those are guys who are really just going to be, um, I, I think, helpful for him because they're going to do all of the things that he can't necessarily do. And, uh, and I think this is going to be great for them because they've got all of these backs and they really can do uh, a running back by committee situation. And I think that they're going to get better looks because you've got speed at the wide receiver position at this point and you have a quarterback that can run at any time. So I think that Mark Ingram is probably going to see um, a step up in carries from what we saw last year. And he's probably going to have better stats overall, uh, barring any injuries simply because of the, the people that are around him. It's not Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, that kind of pocket passer sort of traditional offense anymore. It's a lot more run heavy. And because of that and the way that they're going to spread it out, I think that Mark Ingram benefits the most. I think that's, that's a good point. They have Gus Edwards, who was very effective. But Mark Ingram, you have a veteran who's very experienced, who can still run in between the tackles. And this is his one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven eighth, ninth year, but you got a guy who for yep. the last two has been splitting carries. It never has been like a big workhorse for uh, New Orleans. So you do get a guy who's right. relatively fresh for this time of year. You still have Kenneth Dixon in the backfield. They drafted Justice Hill. So I, I think the running backs are enough to get by with and the system they want to play. Nobody's an explosive game breaker, but you got a solid core here. Right. Right. I don't think it's going to be any anybody that's going to set the world on fire. And even comparing it to the rest of this division, uh, this might actually be the weakest running back core in the division, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad running back core at all. Um, so uh, I, I think that they've got a lot of talent there or enough talent, like you said, to get by with the other weapons that they have. Let's go to their receivers. We have kind of an interesting because uh, they've struggled. They draft receivers in the first round, and it usually right. doesn't work out. But, of course, now they have Marquise Hollywood Brown. 
They've got Willie Sneed. They've got Michael Floyd. But from what I'm seeing, still lacking a little bit at the receiver position. Yeah, uh, I really would have liked, like I said before, would have liked to have seen them get a bigger body guy. Obviously, they did go out and get uh, Boykin in the third round, Miles Boykin um, out of Notre Dame. And, but I kind of see him more as a developmental guy. Uh, I don't think that he's going to really be able to step up into that that fourth receiver position. I kind of see him more as a, as a fifth or sixth guy that might step into that third or fourth role next year. So I think it's probably going to look like a heavy dose of Willie Sneed and uh, Hollywood Brown this year. I think they're going to move Hollywood Brown all over the place, but I see him mostly in the slot. And uh, and that's the, the only concern that I have uh, going back to uh, Jackson is going to be his accuracy with, uh, with Brown. He's got to be able to develop that rapport because you got to get the ball in that guy's hands for him to do something special. So if you're not accurate, that's going to be an issue. That's the thing too. When we look at this, you're going to have to have a lot of play actions, a lot of rollouts, a lot of very, uh, you got to, you got to scheme these guys open and it can't really be a timing yeah. thing because not Lamar. You don't have receiver. Hollywood Brown is very unproven. He's a game breaker, but at the same time, he's yeah. very unproven. Willie Sneed, in the role that he has played, is played well. Yeah. But the, just this passing game combined with Lamar's inexperience, I feel like it's just going to be a mess. Uh, so this is one of those things where I think it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of boom or bust. So they have all the opportunity in the world to really come out and surprise a lot of people. Uh, they have the talent there. It's the, the talent at Hollywood Brown could be the true number one receiver. Miles Boykin could develop right now into a number three, number four receiver this year and be ready to step into that number two role next year. Willie Smead could surprise some people like he did in New Orleans a couple years ago, but uh, if you're not getting production, if you're not getting accurate passes from Lamar Jackson, you're going to have some serious issues. So all of this talent that they have potentially hinges on his development and on the offensive coordinator's ability to, to get something going for him. And I like Greg Roman with mobile quarterbacks, obviously. Uh, you got to love what he did with Colin Kaepernick. And so if he can sort of replicate that here again, then maybe there's a chance that Lamar Jackson surprises all of us. And that's the thing. I think you have to be a little bit like the Cowboys in that you're going to pound the rock. You're going to look to make very yeah. big plays in the passing game. You've got what Lamar can do. Not so much with the scheme runs, which is that he really loved. The thing that was a misperception about Baltimore last year, it was more schemed runs than actual scrambles is what they were doing in their system. If you could just let Lamar drop back and improvise, it'll be inconsistent, but you've got to get some big plays too. And I think that's a part that if they do go a little bit more pass heavy, which would be a lot, I think they passed, they ran the ball almost 60% of the time, time when Lamar was right. there. But if you got it close to 50-50 or 55-45, you could also rely on Lamar in the running game and making things happen. And there he can find Boykin. There he can find Brown when he's improvising, which I don't think they really wanted to let that loose last year. Uh, I agree. The only real serious concern that I have outside of uh, Lamar Jackson's development is uh, Hollywood Brown's size and potentially his leg injury. I don't like guys coming into the league who are undersized who already had lower body injuries. 
Yeah, yeah. I hate that. There's a really bad history of that, too. There's a really bad history of that in the draft from Kevin White. I think uh, the kid from Tennessee had a little injury coming in. The last four or five years, yep. I mean, guys, there's uh, you guys, you like the Redskins, so obviously Dotson, but these guys that have lower Absolutely. leg injuries that are receivers coming into the draft, they have not produced historically over the last five years since I've really been following the draft. Absolutely. Anybody who has that sort of leaner body, Dotson, Ross, any of guys like that, that come in first round talent, second round talent with, Lower body injuries are generally going to be labeled busts a couple of years down the road. Um, Hollywood Brown, I think, out of that group is probably the most talented. He's got the most potential. But history does not bode well for his injury and his size because he's probably also the smallest of uh, all of those guys I just listed outside of maybe Ross. Yeah. Uh, let's switch to their tight ends, which is actually, for some teams, tight ends, not that big of a deal. But for the Ravens, since they like to run so much and run these three tight end sets, they tight ends are really valuable position to them. They drafted Hayden Hurst last year. He wasn't quite what they wanted. 65.5 uh, pro football focus score, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle. What do you think of their tight end crop? Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I think that you know, you don't really have anybody who's going to contribute extensively to the offensive side of the ball outside of, like you said, run blocking. Um, Hayden Hurst is really not developing, I think, at the rate that they want him to develop. Um, obviously, I think there I think there were some nagging injuries that probably uh, played a role in that. But it, it, it's just one of those situations where I'm, I think I remember seeing, yeah, right here, he is uh, he's still listed as number two on the depth chart, and that doesn't bode well. You're talking about a first-round pick who uh, can't beat out a fifth-round guy from a couple years ago. Now, Nick Boyle's a veteran at this point. He's been in the league for three, four years. But, uh, I mean, he's a fifth-round pick in, in 2015, so uh, you need to be able to beat that guy out. Uh, he's Nick Boyle's not some all-world talent that they discovered late in the draft. Um, you got to be able to beat that guy. So, uh, I think tight end – don't concern me as far as run blocking and because I think they're going to run it a ton, it doesn't bother me too much. However, I don't think that they're going to come in and contribute to this team a lot. There's no sort of Zach Ertz type person or even really Tyler Eifert type talent um, on this team. There's no talented guy who just kind of continues to be injured, but he can, he can be a game breaker for you. They just, that, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, I'd like to see some more from Hayden Hurst, and hopefully he develops this year uh, along with Lamar Jackson, but uh, who knows. Moving to the offensive line, a lot of times people, we've stopped following guys when they get bad uh, reviews of the combine. So Orlando Brown Jr. was a classic case. He ran a really, really slow 40, and he looked out of shape, and he was fat. But he played well yep. at right tackle for uh, Baltimore last year. He had a 66 pro football focus rating. That's 47 in the whole league for tackles. And if he can continue to develop, that makes that line solid. If he becomes a blue chipper or just below that, you got a solid line. You've got Marshall Yonda, legend, almost on the way to the Hall of Fame. you got Ronnie yep. Stanley at left tackle. So I see this is a solid line, but you got a, a little weakness inside with Lewis and Squirrel. Yeah, so I think that that's really their only problem. Um, I, 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 I agree with your assessment uh, that you've pretty much got uh, three solid guys at this point. Um, 
and you have a little bit of weakness inside, which could be problematic for Mark Ingram potentially, uh, could be problematic for, uh, for pass protection. But with what I think they want to do um, and what I think they're going to do with read option and running a lot of the pistol formation and things like that, I think it's probably going to get disguised a little more. I think you see this a lot in Greg Roman offenses in that Kyle Shanahan uh, West Coast kind of offense. Um, people that generally run that uh, a little bit more spread option, little um, zone blocking type schemes. Weaknesses like that often get covered up by talent at the quarterback and running back position. So I think they can get away with it here. I think they have enough talent on the line that Jackson's not going to get beat up, and uh, and I, I think that they can. I think that they can pull it off. I agree. Let's switch to. Yeah, let's switch to the defensive end. What when you look at this defense as a whole, what's your take on it? So um, I actually I like where they are. Really, I um, I I think that they lost uh, obviously uh, Zadarius Smith and they lost uh, C.J. Mosley. Uh, they lost Eric Weddle, but um, you're getting back. Uh, I think they they got back quite a bit. Um, they got back some talent in the draft. And uh, I think that all of this kind of uh, depends on what Earl Thomas looks like, in my opinion. Agreed. So I think that um, that Earl Thomas is sort of the guy who's going to – it's very rare that a safety is the person who sort of makes or breaks your defense. But Earl Thomas is obviously special. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame, um, but he still has potential. So his ability to come back from that leg injury – is is going to be everything here? Um, yeah, I think, I that, think that's really key him. because uh, I mean, interrupt you. That's really key. Uh, right after he was picked up by the Ravens, I posted a Pro Football Focus chart, and basically it showed yeah. what Seattle's offense defense looked like before and after Earl Thomas, and everything in what? front of where the safety was, you hardly saw any catches when because he would come down so hard, and he covers the back end. Earl, Earl Thomas, prime Earl Thomas or above-average Earl Thomas has so much range that he is taking away options that quarterbacks think are available all over the field. If we get that Earl Thomas, when I say we, I just mean the football world, if we get that Earl right. Thomas, then the Ravens are an above-average to an elite defense. If we don't, yes. then eh, you know it's, it's all about matter of how good he, he will be. But if we don't get – all pro pro ball or Thomas that to make a break like you were saying for the defense. Right. And so I think that uh, I still think that their, their secondary is going to be pretty good. So, you, you know, you've got Brandon Carr, um, you've still got Tony Jefferson. Uh, I think that, that he is that going to be that difference maker and he's going to change up what, uh, what the pass rush can do. So they lost a little bit inside, but I actually like the pickup of Shane Ray. I think that he still has potential, um, and I would really like to see what he is going to do here, given the opportunity for more snaps. Um, I think he's going to get more snaps. I uh, I think that he could also be one of those uh, sort of dark horses for uh, somebody who's really underrated and who comes in and looks a lot better with the Ravens, because I think this happens frequently. Ravens you know, they've got a great system. Uh, they are consistently great on defense. And what you've lost um, from them this year, I, I think you can make up with other 
people that they've picked up. So I think their defense as a whole is going to be pretty solid. What do you think of their corners? So corners are kind of my question mark. Um, you know, what, who, who is Brandon Carr right now? Um, Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know, I think that they've got enough talent. Jimmy Smith uh, still hanging around. <laughs> like, it's injuries. That's yeah. probably what? Uh, Jimmy Smith coming off the injuries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just one of those – I think it's a position group that um, that when all the other things are clicking, when the pass rush is clicking, when you've got safeties that are behind you that – uh, that really can can do some damage when uh, you know you're having to when you have that safety net behind you. I think that these corners are going to be capable of making plays. I think each one of them um, is capable of being playmakers in the right system. And I think that right now they have enough talent uh, to sort of allow the corners to take some chances. Obviously dependent on Earl Thomas's health. So I think that you're going to see more production from the corners this year than you did last year. Uh, dependent on safety play. So, again, that comes back to Earl Thomas on defense is the big question mark like Lamar Jackson is on offense. Um, He is going to be the difference maker. He's going to be that guy. So, um, yeah. One of the guys I'm looking forward to seeing and maybe possibly is like a candidate to make a leap or be kind of like a rising star is Marlon Humphrey. Really good at press coverage. Yeah. Really physical guy out of Alabama. Had an 80 pro football focus rating, 83 in coverage. I really like him. So I think he's a guy that has a chance to kind of step up. Who knows? Brandon Carr. I'm still bitter from the Cowboys. So I don't know exactly where we're going to get in Brandon Carr. We talked about the safety, right. so we'll, we'll pass that. Basically, it's Earl Thomas or Buss. Uh, what do you think of their linebackers? Um, so, I think that uh, linebacker, we already touched on uh, on Shane Ray, and I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see what they do. Um, they picked up. Uh, hold on one second. What is that guy's name? Just lost it. So they picked up Pernell McPhee from yeah. uh, Washington, who really didn't do anything, and they say that he's going to play uh, defensive. And I am really not sure about that. Um, I also are seeing that they are calling uh, Jalen Ferguson a linebacker. So I like Jalen Ferguson. I I like his potential. Um, And I I think that he can potentially be extremely talented. Um, I'd like to see how they're going to use him because I just don't know if they're going to use him um, as uh, a defensive end. I don't think he has enough size for that. But if you – he can develop uh, into that sort of uh, rush linebacker uh, type uh, individual, I think that they've got a lot of talent. And like we said before, uh, Shane Ray – I think is uh, somebody who could really surprise a lot of people. Um, I think he has all of the talent in the world, uh, or he did coming out of uh, Missouri, and I think that this year could be the year to show that. Yeah, I'm big on Shane Ray, too. I'm glad you mentioned it, or I was big on him. He was one of the – I don't know. I know I had him top three. It was a a really heavy uh, class of edge rushers. I really liked him. I liked the violence that he played with. But he got hurt early on, and he never seemed like he really fit in with Denver, and he couldn't stay healthy. So maybe a change of scenery because, again, like you said, he has all the potential of the world. And, again, I think when we do these things, there are some make-or-break players, or there's some players based on their performance will swing how well the team does. And I think from what we're saying, we got Shane Ray to some degree, uh, Marlon Humphrey, and we got Earl Thomas. And obviously, obviously on offense, 
we have <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Maybe next time we'll like talk right. about some players specifically or something like that. But right. overall, I think we we hit all their position groups. Yeah, basically we hit all their position groups. So where yeah. what do you see their record as this off season or this season rather? So this is tough. I think that this is probably record wise the most volatile team. Um, I think they could fall anywhere sort of between uh, six and ten, and maybe even as high as eleven and five, ten and six. I'm going to go though with um, nine and seven, and they squeak out a win based on, um, or they squeak out winning the division based on uh, division play. That's it's. I think they're going to beat enough people in their division. It's going to come down to those classic sort of Ravens Steelers twelve and nine games, and uh, and I think that you know having uh, Justin Tucker back there is going to be uh, it's going to really matter. That extension is going to come through, and I think it's going to send them to the playoffs. Yeah, well, we haven't got to the Browns yet, but I so that kind of gives away <laughs> your thoughts about the Browns. But I gosh, I'm struggling with this between them and the Browns because. With the Browns, and I'm giving yeah. away a little bit of what I think. With the Browns, I think they're going to be solid and even good and above average, but not the breakout team that everybody thinks where they're going to be contenders. But I would, I want to pick the Browns over the Ravens because I believe, I know they have a better roster. But the Ravens are the kind yeah. of team that when you're not looking at the flashy stuff and they're going to be good and solidly coached and good in areas that don't show up on TV, that don't show up in the stat book, and I've doubted them so many times before, and not having Flacco kind of helps. So I think yeah. the Ravens will finish ten and six, and I think they will win cool. division to division by a tiebreaker, kind of what you're saying. I think they'll win it by the divisional yeah. tiebreaker. I think they'll split with the Browns. Let's go yep. to said Browns. How All big right. of a jump, or perhaps a setback, do you think Baker Mayfield will have this season? So I think he is going to make a jump based on uh, having a complete offseason where it's not his rookie offseason changing and, and, and adjusting to the NFL game. And obviously they have added some weapons for him. Um, so I think he is going to make a jump. I do not see him making jump. I, I have seen things on the Internet floating around, even in IBS, that might suggest – that, that that he is this is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I've seen that. Seen that a couple of times. More than once, like serious people are saying he's gonna have a Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> uh go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just he he is a he has some zip on his arm. He does not have anything like that. He does not have a Travis Kelsey. I like Njoku. He does not have that guy. He does not have a Tyreek Hill. He has great talent and he has probably the best potentially the best wide receiver core in the NFL and I think that's going to carry a lot of a load take a lot of pressure off of him however I just don't see it I'm not seeing somebody who's going to put up 4,500 yards 45 plus touchdowns and finish with that you know 68% completion percentage or more uh, in, in all of that I I just can't see it. So you have a rookie head coach uh, who we really don't know what we're going to get from him. I like That's my big thing, too. But Freddie Kitchens, we, he was the running back coach. And, yeah, the team got yeah. hot. But 
anyone taking over, and I hate to say this about a black head coach, but anybody taking over for that man is an upgrade. Yeah. He really is that bad. He really was that bad. Any competent person is upgrade. But now you've got a whole year and all these expectations yeah. and a coach who no one thought highly enough even to make a quarterback coach. He was the running back coach. They fired Haley, right. and they fired uh, they fired what they what did they fired yeah well they fired the head coach so they fired two offensive yeah. guys to get to him and the team did well but he's unproven. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And so you're talking about somebody you're going to have to exist in a division with veterans like John Harbaugh with veterans like Mike Tomlin who are Super Bowl winners who are consistent, the most consistent. You're talking about two of the most consistent quarterback or head coaches in the NFL, uh, you know, outside of guys like, like Belichick, that is, they're the cream of the crop. They're some of the best that they're, they're great at adjusting to roster turnover, to different situations they've had. Uh, I, I just don't know what I'm getting from Freddie Kitchens. And that is absolutely my reservation with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are, in my opinion, the most talented roster in the AFC North. They're one of the more talented rosters on paper in the NFL. I am completely scared about this, a running back coach's ability to be to run the whole show. Yeah, that that's the thing for me. I, I could see this easily be the year where maybe they go nine and seven. Maybe they go ten and six and yeah. lose in the first round, and that's just not enough, and they go out and get a real coach. And we're sorry we're bashing you, Freddie Kitchens, but you don't have a track record other than being the interim coach and the team just kind of rode yep. that wave. I'm just not ready for, and he may be brilliant, but we just start diamond in the rough. But for a long right. time, I thought, like, I, I just, I'm not putting all my stock in Freddie Kitchens. And Baker is a hard quarterback to control. He's very competitive, but he's going to take some risks. He's got that far in him. And some people compared him to that, which I think is a little absurd because the arm is not there, but the tenacity. Yeah. And the competitiveness is there. But you need a strong guy like Mike Holcomb to, to, to bring that guy in. And you have personalities like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. And even on the other, other end of the, uh, the field, you have Miles Garrett, who's not a bad guy, but it's a thoughtful guy. There's a lot going on in Cleveland, and that's a lot to manage. But let me move you to the strength of the team, no doubt, is their receiving core. Yeah, so, wow. Um, so you've got Odell, uh, and Landry coming back together to have that LSU connection. And, uh, and there's probably not a better one, two punch in the league at this point. Um, I, Odell, I think can, has a chance here to get back, uh, to his, to his form. He's got a, a real quarterback, a, a competent quarterback not that Eli wasn't once upon a time but you've got a quarterback who can really get him the ball yeah and uh you can you've got a quarterback who can get him the ball at this point who's got enough zip who has the accuracy and who has the competitive mentality I think to sort of light that fire underneath him I think they're going to butt heads at some point but I also think that they're going to be great together and that's going to be a good connection so uh, I'm excited about that Jarvis Landry operating as a number two um we're talking about a guy who could potentially lead the league in reception uh, at any point, I mean, this guy is a catch machine. Uh, he is a, a run-after-catch machine. This is uh, – I love that one-two punch. And then you're still going to get to see 
some development from Antonio Callaway. Uh, they've yeah. got Jalen Strong, Rashard Higgins. Like this, this group is not only talented, but just so deep. Uh, they're going to probably be some quality guys who end up getting cut from this wide receiver court. I, yeah. I, there's probably not a better run top to bottom in the league. And I think between Callaway and Higgins, I think one of those guys hits because both of them have potential. Callaway, especially if you watch yeah. Hard Knocks last year, he had a lot of potential. But one of those two guys hits and gets maybe a 55, 60 catch season, eight touchdowns, something like that. And you know they're going to pass a lot. So I think one of those two guys, yeah. the key here is Odell Beckham Jr. If Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. can play 16 games, which God knows when the last time he did that was, I think they're 11 win yeah. team. But I don't think Odell Jr. Uh, is going to play. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play 16 games or even close to it, honestly, because he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But, yeah, I love this receiving core. I think it's one of the strongest in the league. And, two, with the precision that Odell runs routes and the accuracy of Baker Mayfield, that's a match made in heaven. Also, you, can, you got both of these guys who just know how to get open. They can find seams and holes in the zone, and Baker's really good at that, kind of holding the ball longer than maybe he should and have those second reaction plays. I just think it's going to be a beautiful thing. It really is. Now, what Baker does in the red zone, I'm not sure. I'm not ready for the 40-touchdown Baker. I'm ready for 32 touchdowns, 12, yeah, 15 interceptions, yeah. uh 3,800 yards, Baker, but I still think he's going to have a very good year, just not the jump to legendary or elite status. So, yeah, I love the receiving core. What's your take on Njoku? So, uh, Njoku, I think, is is somebody else who is supremely talented, and I think that this might be the year, and I'm hoping that this is the year that he proves me right and uh, shows that he could potentially be an elite tight end in this league. I think that this is the, the year that he decides to be uh, the top 10 tight end in the league. Um, and I think he, he can be. He's got the hands for it. He's got the speed for it. Um, I, I would like to see some better blocking from him. But when you have all of these guys that corners, safeties are going to have to look at, linebackers are, are really not going to be able to, I think, keep up with Njoku the same way. And I, I hope to see that he produces. Uh, that's, I think that he has another year to develop that rapport with Baker. And I think that um, uh, this is the year that he really steps up. So other than that, at the tight end position, talking tight ends right now, I don't think they have a whole lot for me. So um, I hope that he does well because behind him, there isn't too terribly much. And Ajoku strikes me as a guy who has all the tools, drafted in first round, you see all this potential, yeah. but just something is missing. Uh, watching Hard Nuts, not a lot of the work ethic, I think. They had a lot of drops and uh, just not the work ethic. I remember them telling him to work on the jug machine like 30 minutes after practice, and it was just kind of absurd that that's all they were asking him to do. Meanwhile, Antonio Brown has two people draped over him while running real routes on the jug machine. It just and part of that was Hugh, but part of that's in Joku. If you're dropping, you should be obsessed enough to keep going <laughs> so that you, you know, don't have that happen. We should see that obsession. So I just think something's missing mentally or uh, in a cardiac area within Joku. I hate to say that, but I just don't feel that he's that strong. Uh, and then let's go here. This is something that Hugh just really mismanaged. And that was Nick Chubb. For some reason, he wanted to run Carlos Hyde 
and uh, a guy named Warren Sharp on uh, Twitter, who's a kind of growing in the analytics community, he basically showed that Nick Chubb, the percentage and success rate of the team was so high when Nick Chubb touched the ball. But with their running backs, you got Chubb, you got Hunt. It doesn't look like Duke Johnson will be back. But, again, another strength of the team. So much talent on this team. Uh, absolutely. I, I I really was hoping that, that Duke Johnson was going to come back, and especially with, uh, with kind of the Kareem Hunt up in the air. Exactly. But it's, it is fine. I think that they can absolutely – uh, lean on Nick Chubb. I think that Nick Chubb actually has underrated hands, underrated in the passing game. Uh, he can pretty much do it all. I think that he showed last year uh, that he is a, a, the real deal, and this year it is solidified. This is a top 10 running back in this league behind a good line and with wide receivers who are going to spread people out. You're not going to be able to stack the box and, uh, and really come down against this guy, and he's going to run it down your throat. I, I love – he's got the speed. He's got a little bit of quickness. He, he's got it all. Uh, I think this guy can be – he probably isn't somebody for 16 games that you want to be your actual workhorse, but he really can potentially do it all for you. Um, on first and second down, this is the man. Um, and I think that if Duke Johnson doesn't show up and if Kareem Hunt is suspended um, and everything, all that stands up, I actually haven't been following that situation too much, uh, then I think that – He's going to show you that he can do it all for uh, the first part of the year. Yeah, you got the uh, eight-game suspension, and we haven't heard any yeah. updates on his little bar thing. So I think we're yeah, I wasn't sure that was all. If he had appealed that already, exactly. but Chubb is more than enough. You know, it's not great in the passing game, but again, these guys have so many mouths to feed on offense already. Sure. If Chubb doesn't, you know, become that great of a pass catcher, you got you got plenty of guys yeah. out there that can fill the role. What do you think of their defense right. overall? Uh, defense overall, somehow they found a way to improve. Uh, they were good last year, and they, I, I think that they have just figured out a way to, to get better. Um, I was a little bit concerned with, uh, with cornerback play outside of Denzel Ward, and, of course, they go out and get Greedy Williams. I wasn't as high on Greedy Williams as some other people were, but – second round, that kind of value with what exactly he does across from Denzel Ward, all of a sudden you have potentially um, a, a pair of shutdown corners who are, you know, are not 23 yet. So um, this, this could be a really, really special group as a whole, the defense as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of kind of freaky. The talent's all over the place. Then you've got, you got Sheldon Richardson, you got Olivia Vernon. Yep. You've got Greedy Williams just came in, like you said. It's just, ah, it, it, it's, it's impressive what they can do. But the things that bother me about this team are kind of uh, at the margins. The linebacking core isn't that strong. Tell me about that. So I, I agree with you. So uh, you're talking about uh, Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert are right now penciled in as your, uh, as your starter's at linebacker. I don't think that by the end of the year, both of those guys still have starting jobs. They picked up uh, Mac Wilson, and I'm going to butcher this name, Sione Takitaki. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But both of those guys have huge potential. Both of them, uh, I think, were fantastic in, in, in college. 
and were slowed by injuries. So this is, uh, they have potential to far exceed their draft position. And I think that it, uh, that could improve, but that middle linebacker core is exactly right. That's the weakness I think of this defense and it has the ability to come around by the end of the year. I think that you're going to sort of see, you know, week nine, week 10, one of those guys is going to have moved into a starting role. Um, and by next year, I expect probably both of them to be starting. Um, they still uh, have, are they picked up? No, they re-signed Ray Ray Armstrong. That's right. So you've got some depth there, uh, but how talented it can be, I think is dependent on the development of some rookies, which is kind of a, a, a sort of, that's a dangerous road to walk down. You don't want to depend on that necessarily. Uh, but that said, as long as that line can hold up and that line is fantastic, you're probably not going to have too much to worry about because you have some talent on the outside um, and you do have a ton of talent on that line. I would like to see Miles Garrett really turn the corner and become a superstar. I think that's another person who has all of the talent in the world and hasn't really vaulted to that superstar level that I thought he was going to. Um, I think this would be the year. He said, he came yeah. out and said during the offseason that they limited his moveset by the rushes that he had. Uh, maybe right. he's a victim of you too, but I think, anything still, you know, saying what we're saying, he had 13 sacks. I mean, it's just a natural, yeah, incredible. Right. Right. I, I think this is a, I think this is a 15 to 18 uh, sack, 15 to 20 kind of sack, and I'm leaning towards 18 to 20 sack year for them. So hopefully for him, because he's a monster, he's a beast. I absolutely agree. I, I also think that Steve Wilkes um, I, I, is underrated. I think that he's going to be a good uh, defensive coordinator, and I think that he is just going to turn that man loose. I think that Sheldon Richardson uh, is going to sort of be a, a game changer at defensive tackle in that he's going to free Miles Garrett a little bit more. Um, I think he does a, a good job taking on some double teams, and I think that we're going to see that. Also, having Olivier Vernon on the other side is not hurting anything. Um, I, I think we're going to see his production step up, which is going to only help Miles Garrett. Um, so I, I think you're right. I, 13 sacks is definitely – there's nothing wrong with 13 sacks whatsoever. That definitely puts you in some, uh, some elite company in the league and at any year. But I think that this is the year that he could turn the corner. I wanted to see it be last year, but if that's true and they didn't really cut him loose, then that's a pretty good reason. And he need, I mean, he needs to be – the dominant, I mean, there's no one picking the draft, and he was good last year. Right. But we're exactly. looking for great. This is what you got him for. He has that potential. And I think he's the kind of guy yeah. that pushes himself to the point where that will happen. But, again, he's he's one of their swing players that can turn them again from hell, uh, from 9-7 and seven to an 11 to a 12-win team. If you get Odell playing right. at an all-pro level, if you get Garrett playing at an all-pro level, and you have uh, Landry playing at a Pro Bowl level, Baker. Like, you, you start to see how this team could be what everybody wants it to be. Uh, before we give the right. records, what do you think of the safety? Uh, I don't think it's uh, as big of a concern as uh, the, the linebacking core, but I am – I really don't know exactly what kind of production I'm going to get from the safeties. That said, I think there's enough talent on the, the, the defensive line and from those corners, that I'm probably not going to have to worry about that. You have, if Greedy Williams is everything that he was projected to be, I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. But you have potentially two elite cover corners 
there. And uh, and I did like the addition of uh, Sheldrick Redwine in um, the fourth round. So I think you've got some depth at, cor- at uh, safety position, uh, too. Safety position. So um, I, I think that that group has a potential to be sort of exactly what you need. It's not going to, it's not going to really wow you, but, uh, but I think they'll do all right. I tend to agree. So what would your record prediction be for the, well, let me do mine. Uh, I was thinking 10 and six, 10 and six with the Ravens, but I'm going to change it. Just going through it, just seeing the talent that's available. And some of these guys have got to swing for the fence and hit home runs as far as their year goes, or at least triples. So I think you got 11 and five. They win the division at the Ravens at 10 and six. And I think they go 11 and five and win the division and lose in the first round. By the way, I think that's going to be yeah. the disappointing part. I think they're the Rams of two years ago, which is a good place to be. So I have also altered, having gone through this position by position, altered my take slightly. I was going to go nine and seven, splitting with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are still capable and will get a wild card uh, and make the playoffs. But I'm going to go with 10 and six, and either split or win the division. Um, excuse me, either uh, win the division outright, you know, splitting with the Ravens, or excuse me, win outright, or they're going to split with the Ravens, and the Ravens are going to take it. All right, now we're going to some teams that are a little bit more uh, kind of in, in worse and more dire straits, and that. Yeah. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I guess the biggest question for them is how does the losses or how do the losses of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell affect the Steelers? So I think that the loss of Le'Veon is not going to be felt as much because you've already seen them go without him for a year. Uh, So instead of just not having – Le'Veon, what you have added is Benny Snell in the fourth round, who I think is going to sort of take over red zone, a lot of red zone touches and some goal line touches from James Conner. Some people are talking about him um, because of what he did in college, like he's going to come out and be the next Le'Veon, and he is just not that kind of talent. I wish people would sort of recognize him for what he is and what he does, and he is going to be a sort of bruising kind of poor man's version of Garrett Blunt, in my opinion, and uh, I think that he adds an element to the running game that wasn't there last year necessarily, but he is not about to uh, set the world on fire and create this ridiculous one-two punch with him and James Conner. It's, it's just not the case, but um, I think the loss of A.B. is going to be felt a lot, a lot harder because they didn't really do anything to, but you know, slap a bandage on that gunshot wound. I agree, and a lot we haven't gotten to the receivers yet, but a lot of people are uh, trying to put things on James Washington that I don't think he's quite ready for. But obviously, at the quarterback position, one of the biggest questions is Big Ben Roethlisberger. We've seen really good things from Ben, and we've seen really bad things from Ben, much like his reputation. Some players will say, hey, you know, Ben's great. He's a great leader. He's a quarterback. Other players will say he demeaned me. He was awful. He's a piece of shit. Uh, sometimes yeah. players like that. Overall, of course, Ben is solid. Ben is good. It's above average. But where do you see Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback these days? Um, probably on the cusp of the top ten, I guess. And, and he's an above average quarterback in the league. 
But you're talking about a guy who, and this is my hot take that I continue to get in arguments with people all the time, that Ben Roethlisberger is probably one of the more overrated quarterbacks uh, that there has been. And those Super Bowl wins um, make him overrated like Eli was overrated in the past. Now, that is not to say that Ben doesn't produce. He absolutely produces. But you're talking about a guy who has had Hall of Fame talent at the wide receiver position, has had a great defense, has been surrounded by talent, and has never thrown for 35 touchdowns in a season ever in his career. So that's great. That's a great stat. I didn't even think I, I didn't even realize that. That's a great stat. Say that again. So Ben Roethlisberger has never thrown for 35 touchdowns in a season ever in his career. Um, it's it's never happened. His best season was 34 touchdowns. Uh, people will lean on the 5,000 yards last year, and that is absolutely correct because James Conner is not Le'Veon Bell. James Conner is a good running back and is a a very solid running back. I think he's going to take a step back this year. Um, you saw the, the injury sort of started to pile up at the end of the year when they leaned on him, uh, those sort of nagging injuries and things like that. And uh, I don't think he's going to be able to do it again. I think that the full 16-game schedule is, is too tough for somebody like that. And, uh, and, and Ben is going to have to throw up step four. He's not going to have one of the most consistent and potentially one of the top ten all-time receivers um, to throw to. I, it is, I think people are going to, I think Ben is more likely to get exposed this year than to produce at an MVP type level. I, I tend to agree. I think the only thing I could see is that he becomes more of a distributor and moves the ball around a lot, but yes, I, I just don't think he's that guy. I think what Charles Haley was trying to do to get him to get the ball out very early I think he's been very fortunate to have two really good route runners. Obviously, Antonio Brown, one of the greatest route runners of all time, and I'm not exaggerating for that. And despite whatever their relationship was, they worked on the field. Juju, as everyone is going to tell you, and as everyone has said, has been a recipient of single coverage and not being the focal point of the defense. I think Juju will be fine, but I'm not sure he's going to put up the numbers he did last year. And I'm not sure that he's a legit number one receiver and it's just not there for Ben. If he made the mistakes, and Ben just does lame brain stuff, if he made the mistakes that he did, surrounded by Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, then how in the world, when you downgraded with that, and plus, Antonio Brown's always open. So you're dealing with something right. totally different now than you dealt with. And I see a lot, I, I can see it being a 20 interception season, honestly. And still playing overall well, but not as yeah. well as you need him to play for your team to be really successful. Correct. I don't see any way that his passer rating is over 100 this season. Um, no. You can, you can book that for me. If he is over 90, I will actually be impressed. Um, I, I really don't see it. You're talking about one of the greatest sideline acrobats of all time in AD, yeah. one of the greatest route runners that's ever been, and a guy who was absolutely consistent, producing something like 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns for like six or seven seasons in a row. Um, and all of that with a quarterback who isn't all world and who isn't throwing you 40, 50 touchdowns. So it, it's that loss of talent can't be made up for uh, by Dante Moncrief and James Washington getting some extra snaps. Like, it, it, that's just not possible. 
And it's nothing against those guys. You know, I think that Dante Moncrief will look good in this offense. I think that James Washington does step up and does benefit from um, getting those, like, number two and three snaps. But Juju is – I don't think that Juju is about to get exposed and, and shown to be some talentless sort of guy. Oh, he was only a number two. But I don't think he's a – I don't think he's a top ten number one either. Um, I, I think that he is pretty much a middle-of-the-road starting number one receiver in this league. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's a talented guy. I just don't think that he's, he's not a Julio, he's not uh, an A.B., and he's not even, you know, uh, an injured A.J. Green. He's, uh, I, I just don't see it. Let's move to the running backs. You had James, James Conner, kind of a breakout year for yeah. him. It got banged up towards the end. They have Jalen Samuels, who a lot of people like. I'm not that big on him, you know, but he, he does a few things. They drafted Benny Snell Jr. What do you think of their running backs as they try to permanently replace Le'Veon Bell? So, yeah, I also agree. I'm not I'm not very big on Jalen Samuels. Um, somebody, some other people are. Um, I, I'd like to see some more from him, and he will get that opportunity this year. James Conner, I'd, I'd still like to see – put on a little weight, which I know will affect his speed and will make him even less Le'Veon-like. But uh, I think that Pittsburgh fans are waiting for James Conner to sort of just be the replacement for Le'Veon, and you can't do that. You're going to have to do – you're going to have to replace Le'Veon by committee. Um, James Conner is a good and complete running back, but he is potentially fragile. Uh, He is somebody who's going to have nagging injuries because of his size. And so I think the way to remedy that is to have a heavy dose of Benny Snell in short yardage situations and in goal line red zone situations, which I think you'll get. I think uh, Snell is underrated in, in pass protection. He can improve like most rookies can improve, but I think that's something that uh, he really enjoys. And when you watch his interviews and when you watch his tape, um, he's somebody who really did like meeting linebackers and, and edge rushers, and, and even uh, safeties blitzing. Um, it's something that he really, really likes to do uh, is get that contact in the backfield. He is somebody who is a bruiser. So I think that he improves the team in ways that you don't expect. Um, and so I like the group overall. Um, but, again, I don't think this is the most talented group. Um, I would see them as right around the same sort of talent level as the Ravens. Um, maybe a little bit higher. Where do you rank the Steelers' offensive line? I think they're number one. Pro Football Focus has it as number three. I believe that they're kind of top tier, or eh, yeah, top tier. Maybe the Steelers, the the Titans being a little bit right below that top tier, where you have the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles with the injuries, with yeah. Travis Frederick not knowing what's going to happen with him, with Jason Peters always being hurt. Lane Johnson seems yeah. to be hurt too. I think consistently the Steelers have the best offensive line. I think they're one through five starting uh, have the least drop-off. Where do you rank them? So uh, injury-dependent because, like you said, for for Eagles and Cowboys, um, I think I would generally have Eagles and Cowboys as one and two in the league if everybody's healthy. That said, people haven't been healthy for a while. So I actually have – I had before that – the Steelers and the Colts sort of tied at number three. So with those injuries, I'm having them as sort of 1A, 1B. Yeah. 
So we got that. That was worth not worth talking about too long because they have a really good offensive line, and we've seen yeah, that. But then we won't get well. We won't get into the whole back thing. That's a long story about how well Connor was able to replace him. Right. Talk about their defense as a unit overall. Uh so overall, uh, it's a, it's another solid AFC North defense. Um, this is kind of typical of the division and typical of um, of really the Steelers in the past 20 years and, you know, even as far back as, as the 80s. It's, this is just kind of what they do. They find ways to continue to uh, improve and continue to have a consistently good defense. Um, Stephon Tuitt, you know, I, solid in the middle, as always. Um, saw the development from Bud Dupree, saw some development from, uh, from T.J. Watt, and so uh, – I like the addition of Devin Bush. I'm not really sure how I feel about the trade-up, but I think that the uh, that the defense only got better from last year. I don't think they took any real heavy losses, and uh, they just added to it. Agreed. And I am going to rave about Devin Bush. I have man crushes on guys that can run sideline to sideline. I think Roquan Swift was my uh, Smith was the one I had a couple of years ago. And of course, the whole ain't played fine, but the holdout kind of messed it up. And then this year, Devin Bush, the, the thing, and sad to say, that they've been missing on defense is Ryan Shazier. There's kind yeah. of a sieve in the middle of the defense. And I think he covers that. I think he can cover. Uh, in, in, in the field itself and good in coverage. He'll be fooled and overrun some, but that kind of athleticism, I think it changes the defense, and I don't think the defense is going to be a weakness anymore, where I think sometimes the defense last year on the field was an actual weakness, and I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. And, uh, you know, I think Joe Hayden's in there, still staying solid. Yeah. I, I could see some, you know, the secondary could be better. It's not bad. It's just a lot of could be better outside the offensive line where you have T.J. Watt, who is very right. good, who makes a name for his own self, uh, Haywood, it, Bud Dupree. Like, you got you got a good – got three standouts on the offensive line, and one solid one in Dupree. Maybe he gets better, but on defensive line. But I just – overall, I just see defense as like, eh, above average maybe, slightly above average to average. Yeah, so I agree. Outside of uh, outside of Stephon Tuitt, there's really not too much as on the line that you can be very excited about. Um, Cameron Hayward is at this point. I mean, he's he's eight nine years in the league. He's he's getting a little bit older, um, but I think you're absolutely right about Devin Bush stepping right into that Ryan Shazier role. And as far as athletic gifts being even more talented, I think he's going to be able to make up for some of the mistakes that he makes. Um, in in recognition by his pure athleticism and his ability to go sideline to sideline. And if that's your guy, I don't mind the trade-up. If you were convinced that somebody right after you was going to go get him, then I don't mind that at all, uh, especially if you think that that's your only weakness on the defense. Like you said, I'm, I'm you know, kind of a little – I'm not really sold on their corners outside of Joe Hayden but they did go and get Justin Lane, who I, I think is, is going to be a good upgrade. He's going to take a year or two, but um, he's going to he's bringing some depth to that, that corner position. Now, um, I think it's going to be uh, – I think the secondary is probably going to be the, the weakness of the defense uh, overall, but I think that by next year you'll see some, some improvement and some development from some of the draft picks 
uh, the past two years. Yeah, uh, I think so too. That's kind of one of the weaknesses is the secondary. Definitely going to be one of the weaknesses of the team. Kind of a make or break kind of thing. Like you said, it could be Edmonds is like the make or break guy. He was kind of spotty last uh, last year, but the potential is there. So he's a potential candidate for a breakout player, even though I really don't believe. Yeah. Uh, let's get off the Steelers and give me what you think their record will be next year. So uh, the record, I think, is going to be 8-8. Um, eight and eight. I, I have this as a really close uh, I have close finish at the end. I think that everybody's going to be bunched together uh, up at, this, at the top part of this division. But um, I see them as an 8-8 eight eight team. I think they're um, – I looked over their schedule, and I, I forget what – key losses I had marked down um, on there, but 8-8 but eight eight is where I have them finishing just below uh, the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, that's about where I have them, too. 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, would be really optimistic. I don't see them making the playoffs. I think... No. Gosh, this seems like Tomlin's last stand, but who knows with the uh, Steelers, they're so loyal, but I think without as many crazy personalities in that locker room and all the drama that was there, I think yes. maybe Tomlin can take a different approach. Who knows? Maybe he'll surprise them. But if you know me, and if you follow the podcast and me on the page, I am a Mike Tomlin hater, as they would say. I think I'm just realistic in holding him accountable. But I think maybe now we've gone too far on Mike Tomlin, where he is a good yeah, coach. Yeah, let's not go, let's not go there. Just, yeah, he's just squandered a lot of opportunity and hasn't uh, held the team to the standard that he should, greater than how much talent there is. Yeah. But I'm not waiting on Mike Tomlin to surprise me, though. As a Virginia guy, I can't I can't talk against Mike Tomlin. Uh, I have to love him because he's because he's from VA. He's he's uh he's representing. But uh but yes, I, I do agree when you when you say that with all the talent that he has had, I, I think that he probably should have produced more. Okay, so we both got eight and eight. I guess we both are looking at eight and eight. And then let's do the Bengals pulling up the rear. New head coach Zach Brown. We. Still got Andy freaking Dalton as the quarterback of the Bengals. Nuclear Holocaust, there will be cockroaches and Andy Dalton, evidently. <laughs> this, uh, wow. I mean, like, it's, it is so the Bengals to have made a great uh, first-round pick, to have stuck to their guns, and selected the guy that was a perfect fit for them, exactly what the doctor ordered, and have him be about to miss his entire rookie season. And there's nothing more more Cincinnati than that. Uh, I, it is it's awful, and I feel terrible for him. Um, he was exactly the right pick, I, I think, for them, and uh, it's it's kind of tragic. Yeah, it's uh, I guess Andy Dalton. Oh, he doesn't. I mean, it's just he's Andy Dalton. He's like the the, yeah. the Mendoza line almost of what you do for a quarterback. Is your quarterback better or worse than Andy Dalton? You've got to ask yourself usually. And uh, I, I don't know. Just But the receivers are very interesting. We heard a little bit of talk about A.J. Green being traded or not traded. I could see them trading A.J. Green in the middle of the season, something crazy like that. The receivers, yeah. John Ross, who I thought had potential, has never really been what they're looking for. And he's changing his number, they're saying now. It's going to be a fresh start. Tyler Boyd has potential. But what do you think of their receiving core? So, uh, A.J. Green, obviously, is – I think he is slugging his way, trying his best to, to 
to drag this team to some W's and get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I, I love him as a number two uh, in the league, but I, I think that I think that you've seen the talent in Tyler Boyd to potentially be that sort of middle of tier or lower end uh, number one in the league without AJ Green when AJ Green is injured. Yeah. Um, but I think two of them together, you have a solid receiving core. Uh, you you have some depth, like you said. John Ross is there, and honestly, I, I really liked uh, Morgan Stanley Jr. getting picked up out of nowhere. I I like him for what they do, and I think that he's going to mm-hmm. fill in really nicely behind guys like Tyler Boyd. I think he actually fits the roster. I rarely get excited about people who are late round picks or undrafted, but um, I think that he is uh, he's you know the first thousand yard receiver from Nebraska in however long a couple decades and oh, so man. I think that it's uh, yeah it's a long long time so I think that he's actually going to fit in pretty well and this receiving core will end up being talented but uh but unfortunately being thrown to by Andy Dalton and having a terrible offensive line that's not going to give Dalton enough time to be inaccurate yeah line is really bad and like you were saying it's just a shame that Jonah Williams got hurt Good draft pick, good change yeah. for the season. And talk about the line for a second because it's, it's pretty porous. Yeah, I mean, outside of – so you've got Cordy Glenn, uh, I guess, is 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 not too bad of a, of a lineman there. You know, he's, there's some talent there for sure. And Billy Price, I really liked uh, last year as their first-round pick. Um, I, I, they're attempting to invest in the line. Uh, but outside of that – I mean, completely bereft of talent, really. Um, so they go and they add Bobby Hart. We'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, or they have Bobby Hart, I guess. But, like, who is that at, at right end? I don't, you know, John Miller. I don't even know who that is. They signed him from Buffalo. I I know nothing about that guy. So, um, But apparently he's already penciled in as their starter. So it's it's been a porous offensive line for, for a while, and it, it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, and with the fact that Andy Dalton really likes to hold on to the ball, it's it's not going to help them out at all. It's it's that sort of Eli versus Brady issue um, with Nate Solder. When you have a, a guy who holds on to the ball, your line looks yeah. worse, and sometimes it's not their fault when you have a guy like Andy Dalton behind you. What? Uh, Joe Mixon, a lot of people keep telling me this is going to be the year of Joe Mixon. Is it finally going to be the year of Joe Mixon? It will not be the year of Joe Mixon because of their offensive line issues. Joe yeah, Mixon is – he is supremely talented, and the and the wide receivers would, you know, based on my other analysis of other teams, I would generally say that he's going to take away um, – that he's going to take away some sort of uh, – they will take away the pressure from him. But behind that line, I just don't think he's going to get that much – traction he's kind of a, a on the slimmer side you know that taller sort of guy a yeah. uh, little bit of an upright runner and behind a weak line that isn't exactly what you need he's got some shiftiness and he can do it all this is a guy who who has enough uh to him to potentially be the workhorse guy but you've seen some injuries that he had uh at Oklahoma and he also had some injuries last year and his rookie year so it's just can he do it all the time? And the answer is probably no. Um, Geo, solid as always. He, he does what he does, and he's great at it. He's been great at it for a long time. I don't see him falling off anytime soon. He doesn't get enough touches, um, in my opinion. 
but uh, but it, it's hard to do that when you have those those two guys that are kind of vying for touches like that. But um, solid running back core. I just uh, I just don't think that they can do anything because of that line. I think it's one of the worst lines in the league. It's pretty um, bad. And and yeah, and I think that you know I think it was bottom five last year, and and Kyler Murray will cover up some of the line issues in Arizona. So I think that they might take the crown as the worst line in the league this year with uh, Jonah Williams sidelined. What's your take on the defense? Uh, completely bereft of serious talent. Um, there is just, you've got a guy, Nick Vigil, who is, who is penciled in as your starter. And I mean, I just, he is just not producing like you would want so, him to. Um, like he, it's, that you had guys, old, older guys, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, who are just getting older, and it's not their it's not their yeah. fault that they are playing from. Uh, I mean that they have, are getting no help from their offense. Their offense isn't extending long drives, and, and dudes are getting tired. I mean, uh, I they are on the field constantly because of their offense's inability. And I think that any talent that you do have on defense is is it's like the anti Cowboys problem where Zeke keeps you off the field so any yeah. holes in the Cowboys offense get co- or defense get covered up, this is the exact opposite problem. You can't stay on the field long enough to cover up any weaknesses that you have, and there's a ton. So, yeah. I, I mean, outside of an aging line, there really isn't much talent. Um, Drake or Patrick, I don't think ever really, for me, lived up to yeah, his draft position. Yeah, and uh, – and outside of that, the secondary doesn't really have anything that's. So Billy Jackson, I'm, I'm gonna get you on. I'm gonna stand up for Billy Jackson. A couple good uh, okay. games against, against Antonio Brown, and just it's got potential. Willie Jackson yeah. and uh, well, Darquez Denard never really just been all right when they drafted him. But between yeah. Willie Jackson and Free Safety, who's Free Safety? I can't remember his name. I just had Free Safety kid. Yeah. Really played. Not bad. Jesse Bates, Bates third. But yeah, it's not overall this unit. And then a lot of it's going to be canceled out just because they're so bad. But I see a couple bright spots. Yeah. And Carl Lawson got hurt. Like you said, the line had the strength, but Carl Lawson got hurt. But yeah, I just, right. not a lot there. And so leading to that, how many wins do you think this team, bereft of talent, is going to have? Uh, I am going to be generous and give them three. Yeah, it's tough. I'll. I'll I'll say, well, we got a new coach, so I can't even say Marv. I, I'd say, let me say four, just to be nice. I think four wins is uh, pretty much the peak, anywhere from two to four, just not out of town there. When your line is that bad, you're going to have a hard time winning yeah. games. Right, we don't know about AJ Green's health anymore. Defense, right. some bright spots, but not really uh, anything right. to write home about. So to review, I think we had, what was your uh, standings? What was your record and your standings for the AFC North? Yeah, so I changed it up slightly. I am just based on roster review, and I don't want to do this because you know I don't like rookie head coaches. But against my better judgment, I'm going 10-6 and six for the Browns, uh, winning the division. I'm going to go 9-7 and seven for the Ravens, um, barely sneaking in behind them. 8-8 uh, eight and eight for uh, the Steelers, and uh, bringing up the rear, Cincinnati Bengals at 3-13. and 13. All right, mine is pretty similar. I'm optimistic. I'm more a little bit more optimistic on the Browns. 11 and 5. 
I'm gonna have to like come back to the Ravens, but for right now, I have the Ravens at ten and six. I have Pittsburgh at uh, eight and eight, and then we have the uh, the Bengals pulling the rear with four wins. All right, that was uh, that was fun. Any other thoughts on the yeah. uh, AFC before we go out? Oh man, we I, I will say the one last thing is we didn't touch on tight ends of the Bengals, but there's really not much to t- touch on there. Uh, Tyler Eifert's always hurt, and yeah, I can't always. I can't see him not being hurt this year. <laughs> so so he he could be great. That's another one of those big question marks. He could be great, but he's not on the field enough for me to tell. That's that's my last AFC North take. All right, folks, we're going to break this down and make it into podcast format. This was just kind of like a preview or whatever you were watching, you were watching. And which one are we going to do next? Uh, That's a really good question. How about about NFC South? Yeah, that sounds good. That'll be a fun one. Joe and I are going to try to do at least a couple more, and then I might have to switch to my, uh, my usual suspects. All right, folks, until next time. Thanks, Joe. All right, man. You have a good one. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.